Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Anita J and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, July 11, 2019, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are in the chapter more about alcoholism on page 39, reading the second wonderful paragraph, which begins, Fred is partner, concentrating on a one paragraph. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Diana S., 12 traditions, Lois G., and readers of the text are Anita L., Katie G., and our backup, Catherine C. The share ID numbers for Tuesday, July, for Tuesday, excuse me, for Wednesday, July 10th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 13,133. That's 13133. And for the 10 a.m. meeting is 
We're entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. Step 7. Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, accepting to do so would injure them or others. Step 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive believers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. With that, I pass. Anina J, star one to unmute. Oh, send it. You, you Thank back? Thank you so much, Diana S. And I'm now asking Lois G to read OA's 12 Traditions. Hi, this is Lois G in Michigan. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me serve. Thank you very much, Lois, too. All right, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year 
and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Well, today we resume our study of the big book. We are in chapter more about alcoholism on page 39, reading the second paragraph only, which begins, Fred is partner. And I will now ask Anita L. to get us started. Good morning. Good morning, Anita. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia recovered just for today by the grace of God. Fred is a partner in a well-known accounting firm. His income is good. He has a fine home, is happily married, and the father of promising children of college age. He has so attractive a personality that he makes friends with everyone. If ever there was a successful businessman, it is Fred. To all appearance, he is a stable, well-balanced individual, yet he is alcoholic. We first saw Fred about a year ago in a hospital where he had gone to recover from a bad case of jitters. It was his first experience of this kind, and he was much ashamed of it. Far from admitting he was an alcoholic, he told himself he came to the hospital to rest his nerves. The doctor intimated strongly that he might be worse than he realized. For a few days, he was depressed about his condition. He made up his mind to quit drinking altogether. It never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so in spite of his character and standing. Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic, much less accept a spiritual remedy for his problem. We told him what we knew about alcoholism. He was interested and conceded that he had some of the symptoms, but he was a long way from admitting that he could do nothing about it himself. He was positive that this humiliating experience, plus the knowledge he had acquired, would keep him sober the rest of his life. Self-knowledge would fix it. Oh, okay. Um, if you would time me, please, because there's so much yes. in this paragraph, so much. I just want to say that I got the chills at the end when it said self-knowledge would fix it. So uh, first, I just want to point out the fact that Fred has a great life, just a great life. He's a partner. He has a good income um, in his profession. He has a nice house. He's happily married. Not everybody can say that. Uh, he has very nice children who have promising careers, um, you know, or high intellect. Um, he has a great personality and a lot of friends, you know. And it says if there was ever a successful businessman, it was Fred. He seemed to have a 
stable, well-balanced, um, he is a stable, well-balanced person, yet he's alcoholic. So my first point I want to make is that, how it seems to me, is that it doesn't matter what we're like. You know, um, I remember there's a saying, I can't remember the whole thing, but I know in AA they say something like, um, we can come from Yale or jail. We can come from the Park Avenue or Park Bench. It doesn't matter where we come from. You know, it can basically affect any of us, this disease. And this is just pointing that out. You know, he's a great guy. He came from probably a good home. And um, so he's an alcoholic, yet there's total denial. And um, so he went into the hospital a year prior to this and um, just for a bad case of the jitters. So he didn't know what was going on. He was ashamed of the fact that he had to go into a, a hospital, probably a psych unit. And um, he was far from admitting he was an alcoholic. So um, the only thing he would admit to himself, probably uh, not only to himself, but to his family and friends, that, you know, he was just a little jittery, just needed to go in and rest his nerves, I'll be okay. Um, But after the doctor saw what he was like and heard probably his story, his doctor said, you know, there might be more to this than what you're seeing. So in my mind, that was kind of like frothy emotional appeal. And we know from the doctor's opinion that that seldom suffices. Um, It has to come from me. I have to be willing to admit and accept the fact that I have a disease of the mind and body. Uh, stronger than me and and here it talks about later that you know it can't come from self I can't break it I tried I know I was on a million diets I was a a kid who grew up um, with a weight problem my whole life I definitely know by fourth grade I crossed over from being a heavy eater to a compulsive overeater of course, not knowing that consciously, but looking back at my um, history after writing, okay, my overeating history, I uh, I can see that. So the main thing is he thought self-knowledge would fix it, and we know self-knowledge uh, will avail me nothing. So with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you very much for getting us started in the email. So today is Thursday. If you haven't shared on the 7 a.m. meeting on Tuesday or Wednesday, I would love to get your name for a three-minute share. Harlan G. Katie G. from Boston. Harlan and Katie. And and Lisa what? Reva P. Oh, Reva P. And wait a minute. Now these next names... I've got a little bit mixed up here. Was there Nessa a... R? Nessa R. Tara W. Tara W. Yes. Okay. Nancy P. And Nancy P. All right, there are six. Perfect. <clears throat> okay, so it's going to be Hal and followed by Katie, Reva, Nessa, Cara, Cara, Cara W, and Nancy P. All right, good morning, Harlan. 
Good morning, Anita. Thank you for your service. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. We have the story here of Harry Brick. Harry Brick was an accountant. Harry Brick actually loaned Bill and Hank money to get the big book uh, printed, and when they didn't pay him back on time, he sued them. And his story of his of his story is in the first edition of the big book, and it's called A Different Slant, and that's the story of Harry Brick. But anyway, let's get into Harry. Let's get into Fred, which is his alter ego here in the big book. And it says here that uh, he's had a good life, as was just said. He's had a life, where, and it said in, in AA, uh, they come from Park Avenue, and they come from a park bench, and they come from Yale, and they come from jail. But let's go down to the paragraph here. So it says here, for a few days he was depressed about his condition. He made up his mind to quit drinking altogether. In other words, what's Harry doing? What's Fred doing here? He's going on what we know as a diet. He is going to diet. He's going to throw his unaided willpower. He's going to throw the most useless tool, the most ineffective tool he has in the face of a juggernaut to try to control his drinking because he thinks that alcohol is the problem. And when we start thinking that food is the problem and that weight is the problem, we are out of our league. Food is never the problem for the compulsive overeater. Food is the solution to the problem for the compulsive overeater. Food being the solution to the problem, what is the problem? The problem, although he doesn't know it, is the buildup of human emotion and happiness and accomplishment are emotions many of us including me have overeaten thousands of times when things were going well it never occurred to him that perhaps his diet would not work in other words he was on to something this time and he, in spite of his character and standing, in other words, in other areas of his life, he was highly effective when he threw his willpower into it. He wouldn't believe himself an alcoholic, take step one, much except a spiritual remedy, step two. We told him what we knew of alcoholism. What did they know of alcoholism? It is an allergy of the body, and it is a twist of the mind. He was interested and said he had some of the symptoms, but he was a long way from admitting he could do nothing about it himself. And that's where most of us are. Even after coming into OA, many of us are there, and he figures, well, I have done many things in my life. I can do this. I've got to hunker down on my own willpower. In other words, self-knowledge would fix it. What does Bill tell us in his story? He says on page 7, Although, excuse me, although strong in other areas where alcohol is concerned, the will is amazingly weakened when it comes to combating alcohol. We cannot do this ourselves. Our unaided willpower is of no use whatsoever. We must have a spiritual awakening as the result of working the steps and working the steps is the only way we can gain respite from this disease for a day. With that, I will pass. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Harlan. All right, Katie, followed by Reba P.
Uh, Anita, did you say KEG? Yes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I heard P. Sorry, it was a broken. KEG recovered in Boston. Yeah, I mean, so for me, this is all about step one, right? Um, this realization that nothing external can solve my problems and nothing external is evidence that I don't have prob- this alcoholic um, compulsive overeating. So, like, I always thought, like, if I had what you had, I wouldn't feel the way I feel, um, you know, and um, that I thought that humiliation, so my father's friend asking him while we're standing there, tell me about your son, thinking I'm his son because I'm 228 pounds, right? I thought that that humiliation for my father and I would be enough to keep me away from the food. I thought throwing up in downtown Northampton during a sunny day would be enough ego reduction for me to stop, right? And it's not, because the problem is not outside in the parking lot doing push-ups. The problem is inside of me. I have no power, no choice, no control, no matter what degree I have around the food. I'm never going to change, never going to safely use those ingredients, foods, and behaviors that I like I can't, I'm not safe with them. But I also, self-knowledge will not fix me, right? Knowing, knowing that each time I go back, I can eat on the truth. I used to think I said it on this line. I can't eat on the truth. I actually can. If I am so cut off from God, doesn't matter. Truth doesn't matter. I'm not in denial. I'm in delusional thinking. And I need that food. And that is the darkness of step one that I must concede to. And when I was reading this today, I thought, what do I believe as a recovered woman Like, where have the self-knowledge traps gotten me? Okay, so, like, when this meeting started out and I was recovered, yet I was saying I was going to work clocking in, leaving and exercising bulimically. Does that sound recovered to you? I hope you say no, right? Because I thought self-knowledge, the knowledge of the book, I could quote line, page, verse. I could do a step 10 turnaround in my head, right? But I worshipped the methodology of these steps, and I thought, I know I can't eat, but it all became about my ego again, all became about the KDG show, I need to go to meetings, I know this, I know this, I know this, and what ended up happening, I went backwards through the steps, and food was a step up from how I'm thinking, so I'll just wrap up with this, like, this book is not about knowledge, This is about an experience. Take this book, take the directions, and have your experience with powerlessness. Have your experience with God by going through the steps, because that's all that's going to save me today. It is not knowledge. I'll wrap up with this. It is not knowledge. It is experience. And thank you, God, I have that experience, and will continue to pursue it one day at a time. Thank you. Thanks. Perfectly good. Katie G, good. All right, Reva. You are next, followed by Nessa. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. So um, this case example um, highlights two things for me. First of all, not only, you know, is Fred a professional and um, educated and his life is working well, so he debunks the myth that circumstances cause me to do what I do destructively with food because his circumstances are good, 
But he also teaches me that I think in order to qualify to be a real compulsive overeater, I have to look a certain way and my life has to look a certain way. Like I can't be a compulsive overeater if I'm only X number of pounds overweight. I have to be, I don't know, something else. Like it has to look like that. It can't possibly be me. Um, And he can't see. He just can't see that he does really qualify. He can't see what the doctor sees objectively. So I have to watch out that I don't have these beliefs um, that in order to be a real compulsive overeater, um, my life has to look a certain way. My body has to look a certain way. All I have to do is know that I have an allergy to certain foods, ingredients, and substances, um, and that once I put them down, I can't stop myself from picking them up again because of the obsession of the mind. That's the only real criteria. Um, and the second thing that strikes me, I love the words he uses when he's talking to himself. I'm going to make up my mind. You know, that mindset that I'm rolling up my sleeves and self will let's go. We're going to do this. Now I'm going to do it. And, of course, we're not going to start till Monday. Um, and I'm going to fix it. And the humiliation And the knowledge is going to motivate me. And maybe I'll humiliate myself and I'll talk to myself really nasty to motivate myself to do better. It never worked. Um, So the second part of the paragraph reminds me that when it comes to the mental twist, when it comes to my mind and my thinking, I can't think my way out of my thinking. I can't will my mind to change my mind um, so that, you know, that information is not transformation. And it's such a paradox. I do this. I put the food down. I do the steps and my thinking changes and I get this power that does for me what I can't do for myself. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much. uh, Yes, Nessa. All right. Neva, I mean, and now it'll be Nessa. Hi, good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater, also in Toronto, Canada. Um, much of uh, what I wanted to say has been said, but uh, I just want to add with regards to circumstances. You know, I, I used for many years, including nine years of those in the rooms, uh, I used my circumstances as justification and rationalization for my eating habits. You know, and, and this story shows me that, and I guess Jim's story too, that circumstances have nothing to do with my, with my eating. You know, these two guys, Jim and Fred, you know, they both had good lives. You know, like the life that I thought, if I had that life, I wouldn't have to eat. You know, they, they have beautiful families. They have um, excellent income. You know, they, they're, they're uh, charismatic. They don't have to worry about uh, making ends meet. You know, they have a, a happy marriage, like everything. They have everything a person could want, and yet, and yet they drink. Um, you know, I, in my years of, of, of justifying and rationalizing, I forgot that or ignored that um, I ate when things were not going my way, but I also ate when things were going my way. And, you know, if circumstances are not what make me eat, the corollary is that it's not the circumstances that are going to make me recover. You know, um, I can recover with my present circumstances and I can stay recovered with my present circumstances. 
you know, recovery has to stand on its own. Otherwise, it's just going to fluctuate with the ebbs and flows of life. And, 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 if that, and if it does, then that's no recovery at all. You know, recovery depends only on one thing, and it's my connection with God, which is, is, a, is a daily work. It's something that I have to work on daily to maintain. And so how do I do that? How do I, how do I get that, that connection uh, with God that keeps me off the food? You know, it's all what we talk about here in this line, day in and day out, you know, um, entire abstinence plus working the steps according to the big book. And it's not a, a program where, you know, you, you come in and you go out when you're done. Um, I'm never done. You know, I may be done, you know, my step four, I may be done my step nine, but I've never done the spiritual work because, you know, steps 10, 11, and 12 are, are, are I guess, a process that I'm going to be doing for, for the rest of my life if I want to stay recovered. And believe you me, I do want to stay recovered. And I'll do anything that I need to do in order to, to, to stay here. And I pass. Thank you. Thanks very much, Nessa R. Uh, Carol W., followed by Nancy T. Good morning, Kara. Hi, this is Kara W. from New York. Uh, thank you. This is my first time sharing. Um, uh, I am uh, abstinent, uh, abstinent maybe a couple months. Uh, this reading is so powerful. Um, uh, I thought I knew the solution uh, to my problem. I, I, I thought that uh, if I was on the right diet, I thought that if I um, – I thought that I looked really well. I was in a prestigious hospital. I was a nurse. I, I, I'm a pretty smart person, and um, but yet I would go to work. I would run home, and I would uh, buy two pints of ice cream. I'd go to five different bodegas, and – so that they wouldn't know that uh, that I was eating ice cream every night. And my solution was, you know, to, to starve myself all day and then binge at night. And, uh, and then I got to the end of that and realized, okay, that's not the solution. And so I went into OA yet again. And um, I, uh, even in OA, I thought the solution was, you know, I just need to get the right food plan. I just need to get the right sponsor. I just need to get, you know, I just need to make – you know, five more phone calls a day. I just need to, you know, and I'm not, I understand that the tools of the program are, are, are important, but I really didn't understand. And I've been in and out of uh, the anonymous programs for over 18 years. I didn't understand that I still is, I wanted this program so much. I wanted, I wanted to not be fat. That's it. I just didn't want the weight. And I, it finally occurred to me when I heard on the meeting um, that I was using the the group with that, you know, what is it, the, a diet with group support. And I didn't understand that that's what I was doing. I didn't understand that somewhere in my mind that it was a step one problem, that I still believe that food was the solution to my problem. I didn't understand that I had a spiritual malady and that the only thing that was going to help me with my compulsive overeating was a spiritual solution. I just didn't get it. I just kept thinking that I, I, I can fix it. I can, I can start my abstinence on Monday. I can, and after every rationalization, after every excuse, after binging, after every excuse, it occurred to me 
after coming to these meetings for years and listening and listening and relapsing and relapsing, that food isn't my solution to any of my problems anymore. And I finally, finally surrendered. And for that, I'm so grateful. It wasn't about what I knew. It's what I didn't know. And uh, I didn't know that I had a spiritual malady. Even after all those years of being in the program, I just didn't get it. I didn't get it. And uh, I finally, finally said I'm powerless and I don't know how to do this. And I surrendered to the program. And I surrendered and finally worked the steps. And uh, now I've made it through the steps. And uh, for the first time in 18 years, have neutrality with food. So thank you. Thanks, thanks, Kara. Have you introduced yourself at the newcomers right at bottom for what this this hour? Anyway, if you haven't, I would encourage you to stay on and introduce yourself. All right, Nancy P., and then we'll open it up again. Hi, Anita. Thanks for letting me share. Uh, This is Nancy P. from Boston. So, you know, I was as as I was thinking about this passage and listening to the other readers, it occurred to me that um, they use in this book, especially in the first three steps, they use words like absolute, completely, and only a lot. And I, you know, I, when I spoke to people, I say, you know, if it says absolutely, I said, that means absolutely. It doesn't mean, you know, only except on Sunday nights or only at Christmas or only on your birthday. It means absolute and completely is the same thing completely means completely it doesn't mean almost or nearly all the time and so here you know what they're saying is uh, again you know it's all about surrender that's my mantra and um you know and surrender has to be complete and that means all the time every day waking and sleeping and um you know I had many, I have had many rewards in my life. You know, I have a beautiful home. I have a good education. I have two lovely children, both, or one is going off to college in the fall. And, um, you know, I, I, I have, I have a lot of material, um, reward in my life. And when I was fat, I thought if, if only I was thin, all the problems in my life, I didn't really think about the problems in my life. I thought that the solution was just to be thin. And, you know, I've said this before, the Boston area has a lot to answer for. And, um, in my opinion, and, you know, there are a lot of people in this area that think that weighing and measuring yourself to death is going to solve the problem. And, um, and, you know, I would try to get on that bandwagon and of course I would eat and, you know, finally, 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 when I had to surrender, when there was no other choice for me, I was up against a brick wall. And um, when I finally surrendered, then I realized that the only solution is a spiritual solution. There's no other way. And trust me, I tried and I tried hard. And um, I tried some of the ways that I tried were to eat my way, you know, through my problems and other ways were trying to do things externally. And it was only when I admitted to myself that, um, you know, and embraced the fact of my surrender that I began to get better. And the good news about that for me was that I got better fast. I mean, I ate for my whole life, but, you know, and that was like a long, one long slog. But once I admitted, once I surrendered, 
um, you know, I was through these steps in a couple of months and, and then, I mean, certainly not cured, but, you know, I got better from the disease of compulsive overeating really fast. And, um, and I continue to get better. And the, the way that I feel the most better, if you'll forgive the, <laughs> the grammar, is um, by working with other people and by sponsoring and, and learning and saying these steps over and over and over again and talking about mm-hmm. them over and over and over again. So, um, yeah, I, I can't recommend it enough. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Nancy P. All right, I'm going to open it up again, but just a reminder, we are on page 39, the second paragraph, Fred is partner. Who else would like to share for three minutes? Alicia N. Alicia Alicia A. Linda D. W. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Alicia N. Melissa C. And there was, and that's W, but who who else was in there? Don't give me. Linda D. Linda. All right, Linda. All right. Two more. I would like to share, if I may. What is your name? Michael M. Michael M. All right. Beth, after, after, you will share after um, Beth W. All right. Thank you. Well, I'm a little hard of hearing. Okay. Alyssa N, and then um, Melissa C, and Linda D, FW, and then it'll be you, Michael. All Thank right. you. Okay. Alyssa, um, Alicia, Alicia N. Alicia. Alicia N from uh, Richmond, Virginia. Yes, please go ahead. Good morning. Th- Thank you. Good morning. And um, I want to thank you all for your service. Um, this reading this morning has inspired me. Um, I'm, I'm thinking back on, I was trained as an addictions counselor in the 1970s by a, a woman, a professor who was in her own recovery, who had gone to a very elite university, came to Richmond on a federal grant. I was one of her first students, one of the first addiction counselors. And um, I worked with alcoholics for 10 years before I realized that I had my own addiction with food. And um, that knowledge, all the knowledge I got from being trained, getting a degree, um, didn't help me with understanding and uh, treating my addiction. Um, and then uh, in, uh, I was 33, 33 years ago when I entered LA, and I spent the last 33 years, or I should say 32 years, white knuckled abstinence. I didn't get it. All the sponsoring, all the meetings I attended, um, I just didn't get it. And now after listening to Vision for the last couple of years and still being pretty hard headed, um, I finally have worked the steps in a way through the big book that I get it. I need that spiritual consciousness that I never had. I spent 32 years white knuckling uh, my abstinence. And now for the first time ever, I am neutral with food. I have a spiritual consciousness that I, that I work on every day. Um, I, um, I'm sponsoring, which is, has become a spiritual experience for me with every sponsee. I have never sponsored. I figured I had done therapy long enough. I had helped enough people and I just didn't have time doing my own recovery. Um, so now, um, you know, the self-knowledge did me nothing. And my family, I grew up, my mother was obsessed with sugar. My father was obsessed with bread. 
my maternal grandparents had amputations from diabetes. I mean, I am predisposed for this illness, and I finally, finally have a solution um, with the big book, with the steps, and with vision. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Alisa M. All right, Melissa C., and then Linda D. Hi, good morning, Anita. Thank you so much for your service this morning. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York, and I'm just going to start my timer. Um, yeah, you know, I, I love this story of Fred because um, he's a really good example that um, you could be a compulsive overeater, you know, an alcoholic, without having this terrible backstory as a reason. And, um, you know, so I don't need a reason. I don't need this lengthy backstory to explain how I came to have this problem. Like, somebody asked me recently, um, so, like, what tragic thing happened in your growing up that, you know, that you turned to food? And I think I was born, you know, I, I, I experienced life like everybody, so I don't need a reason. Um, his life was great, and, you know, in many ways, so was mine. Um, you know, the other reason that I love this story is because it drives the point home that humiliation isn't strong enough to arrest this disease. Like, humiliation um, is not nearly as powerful as a spiritual solution. Um, because he was humiliated by this, and um, and I too have been humiliated. I've had tons of humiliation. You know, I I could write a book of all the humiliating um, experiences I've had. I've broken chairs. I, I broke toilet seats in my house. Um, you know, I've had cruel words like hurled at me in front of as a teenager when I put on lots of weight. I remember I was with a crowd of my girlfriends and. And some really mean kids, like, shouted something out at me. And, um, yeah, it was really painful. Um, and, uh, you know, you know what I did every time that these humiliating experiences happened? I made up my mind that I was going to stop being fat. <laughs> like, that was it. I, That was the reason that I was being humiliated and... Um, you know, and so I would battle it. I would go on this diet. And um, and as my disease progressed, what happened was I needed more humiliation to rouse me. Like, what, you know, my tolerance for humiliation grew. And it took more pain to wake me up from a food coma. And And actually what happened was that the more humiliated I felt, the more I acted. I ran to the food because what do you do as a compulsive overeater if you don't have God and you're overwhelmed with pain and you can't stop? I mean, that was my experience. I really couldn't stop. So I would go on a, you know, I would either go on a diet or go on a binge, and um, and both of which are dangerous behaviors for me. You know, when I was told that I needed God to help me, um, I remember I smugly kind of chuckled like, yeah, you people do. Um but thank God, I, I you know, thank God, I heard that. Um, I do need a spiritual solution. Humiliation doesn't work, nor does self-knowledge. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. All right, Linda D. and then Beth W. Good morning, everybody. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. I am so thrilled to be here on this earth with you, recovered, 
it's now five and a half years, and I'm saying that because um, even I don't believe it. I mean, it's really wonderful, but um, why am I on the line today? I look good, and I own a house, and blah, blah, so what? Um, the thing that brought me to this program was terror, and I'm uh, really uh, in support of terror because uh, being crushed really helped, and sooner or later it will happen for you if you have the disease that I have. And um, the transformation that happens by doing the work is astonishing. But first, I have to do the work, and I have to feel the feelings, and I can't do it alone. And then something miraculous happens. I find a higher power within myself as well as in the universe and in you. Within myself, buried under all that crap and the good crap. Some, you know, some good memories, but a lot of, lot of shame and terror and all of that. This is a miraculous program. It's astonishing. Stick around. I know I'm going to stick around for today. I'm going to trudge this road. If I have to trudge, I'll trudge. If I skip, I skip. If I dance, I dance, but I'm doing the program. Thank you. I pass. Thank you so much, Linda D. All right, it will be Beth W. followed by Michael M. Good morning, Beth. Hi, good morning. Thank you for calling on me. This is Beth W., uh, recovering compulsive overeater from North Dakota. Um, a little over a year ago, maybe um, not quite 18 months ago, I found myself in a hospital. I drove myself to the hospital thinking I was having a heart attack and um went to the emergency room and was admitted to the hospital. Um, it turns out I was having an anxiety attack and the crushing pain in my chest was simply anxiety and not my heart at all. And um, I was the heaviest I have ever been. And in the follow-up exams with a doctor in my new community, setting up a new, new, um, establishing a new relationship with a doctor, um, that person said to me, as he uh, took my history and got to know me a little bit, would you be willing to just cook for yourself once a week and maybe do 30 minutes of exercise once a week? Because as, as he got to know me, he, I, I admitted that I, I ate in a drive through or in my car nearly every meal. And, um, and I agreed that I could do that. I could take a walk once a week and I could cook for myself one meal a week. Um, and it was a lie. I couldn't do any of that. Um, it never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so in spite of his character and standing. I had a great job. I have a great job. I, I, I looked good to my community in spite of my outward appearance. I mean, I was, I was well-liked. I, um, you know, well-educated, all of that. But I, I wasn't willing yet to um, admit to total defeat. It took me many more months, um, really almost a whole other year and a half till now uh, to admit that I, I was totally humiliated um, and that self-knowledge would, would not fix it. And, and Fred says here, self-knowledge would fix it is what he thought. And I think I said that, in fact, recently I said to my sponsor, I thought I had it figured out. 
<laughs> he laughed and said, that's priceless. You know, so, um, yeah, I, um, I identify with Fred today and I, um, I, I really was, I uh, had a lot of self delusion and, and boy, all these stories in this chapter, um, I'm, I'm identifying with in a whole new way. And I, um, I'm grateful we're reading it slowly and carefully and, um, and I just thank you all for being out there um, to support me and, and to be uh, to be with me every morning. Thanks, and I'll pass. Well, thank you, Beth W. All right, Michael M. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for your service. I'm very grateful for um, Vision. And my higher power turned me on to Vision over two years ago. And lucky for me, my main program uh, we call it the Father Program. For some reason, about a year ago, took on the same format for the Bid Book. So it's been miraculous how much I've changed, not only by listening and, and doing my best to participate in vision, but now that my other meeting is working the same way, it's like you know my higher power is just giving me a, a, a double, um, double assistance. I'm learning more and more about myself each day, and I'm realizing, um, uh, you know, uh, my emotions, I have PTSD, and it comes out in so many ways, and, you know, for today, I I consider myself recovered. My weight is good. My food is good. But my emotions are not, and anything can throw them off, and I really have to work diligently I believe in Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob and all the our forefathers and all the women and everybody who has given so much to this miraculous program. So I, I need to really always go very slow. And I'm trying to find somebody who will fit me because I don't think I am the norm. Um, I've always been a little bit different even as a kid. So I'm trying to find somebody who can really... I, I identify so much with the sharing in uh, vision and the depth of that sharing that I know that it's for me. So thank you so much for being there. And, you know, I, it just, I've been around since I'm a kid and to see what's happening with LA is miraculous and beautiful and I'm very proud. So thank you for being there. And I'm uh, Michael. I'm to my number now, correct? No, in five, ten minutes. All right. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Thank Thanks you so much, Michael. All right, I have time for two, two and a half minute shares. Paula? Paula? Paula S? And who else? Paula S and who? Raj G. And Raj G. All right, thank you very much. All right, two and a half each. Go ahead, Paula. Good morning. Good morning. This is Paula S. calling from Gainesville, Florida, um, compulsive overeater. Just so grateful to be on this line. I consider myself a newcomer. I've already given my name out about a week or two ago, and I am just so grateful for this program. I have had a complete emotional healing, a spiritual healing. I have worked, um, you know, re- doing the reading. I, again, I could relate to Fred and other people in that one chapter as far as having a great life. And I had my series of reasons why I was, you know, really feeling emotionally depressed and on and on and on. Um, Fortunately, I didn't go back to the food, but I was finding myself craving my next meal, you know, 
my next healthy meal, my next food plan meal. It didn't make a difference for me. So since vision, I'm currently working on my step four, uh, finished it up yesterday, ready to do my step five. I cannot tell you the miracles that are happening in my life. And nothing has changed. But again, my perception has changed. And that's all I ask. You know, my, that's, I you know, wrote a letter and request my higher power of, of, you know, things I need or things I hope for in my recovery. And one of them is peace of mind. Uh, not that my problems are going to change, but how I react to them. And, you know, the big book, those chapters have the answers right there. All I have to do is follow directions every day. But I am really grateful to be here and thank everyone for service on this meeting. And I listen every every single day. So grateful to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm glad you shared, Paula F. All right, was G. Well, she didn't take her whole time, so three minutes. Go ahead, Roz. Good morning. Thank you, Anita, for your service. Thanks, everybody. Um, when I heard the first share, I went ahead and I got my uh, anniversary first edition collection item big book, and I looked up the story at different slant, and the last paragraph says, the point I hope I have made is, even a man with everything from the material standpoint, a man with tremendous pride and the power to function in all ordinary circumstances can become an alcoholic and find himself as hopeless and helpless as the man who has a multitude of worries and troubles. And I've heard that shared throughout, you know, the last couple of days, and I just want to throw my my two cents in the hat. Um, I've been on both ends. I spent a lot of years with worries and troubles, you know, being a single mom of three kids and living in poverty, American standard, and not knowing where my next meal was going to come from at times. And then working my way through school and becoming, having multiple college degrees, my dream car, a beautiful home. On both ends of that spectrum, I am a compulsive overeater with a tremendous amount of pride and ego. And I don't like to ask for help. And I don't like making outreach calls. I like sponsoring because somebody's asking me for my help. But when it comes to me for asking for help, I don't like to do that. And uh, as I think about it, you know, I come from a line of people with strong pride. It's, I think it's part of, it's got to be a part of my blood. But this is a we program, and I cannot do it alone. I didn't ask to be a compulsive overeater. I am a compulsive overeater, and I love my life. I love the people that I've met, and this is the place where I've felt ultimately accepted in every arena of my life. This is the place where I can tell you that I have no control over pizza, none, zero. And I can't do it without their help. And I'm a health teacher. I teach health. I teach nutrition. 
But that doesn't matter. I'm a compulsive overeater. I can laugh at that sometimes, and sometimes I just think, just shake my head. (laughs) So I'm so grateful for the thank you. I'm grateful for this book. Thank you very much. I pass. Thanks so much, Roz. All right. Thank you to everyone who shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for the meeting we've all just participated in is 13,142-13142. And we'll now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. So will Katie Chu please read a vision for you? Thank you, Anita. Thank you, my fellows. A vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.